I'm Seth. And I'm Charlotte. And this is Fool's Errand. A podcast about tarot, astrology, and everything in between. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I'm joined, of course, by my lovely co-host, Charlotte. Hi. And this week, we're going to do something a little different. We've decided to introduce a new a new series into our podcast. Um, and we're going to be sort of going through some of our favorite decks. We're going to be doing a little deck review. So obviously, we've talked about decks at pretty great lengths during this podcast. And we've decided to sort of go further into specific decks. So um, we're mainly going to be reviewing decks that we have and that we've used. And these are probably going to be non-Raider Waite Smith decks just because they're sort of more interesting. And we've already talked about Raider Waite Smith a lot. Um, So yeah, so we're really excited to sort of start this new series. And we hope that if you have the deck, that maybe you'll learn something new or that if you are sort of looking for a new deck, which from my experience, virtually all tarot readers are constantly looking for new decks. Um, so if, if you are in the market, then we hope that our sort of review and deep dive into the deck can help you decide whether or not you like it. And if you're not interested in a deck, you know, I think there's always something to be learned from just examining a deck and the artistic choices that are made. So yeah. So but before we get into that, obviously we have our weekly update from our astrological um, genius we can go with. Astrological <laughs> genius, Charlotte. Wow. <laughs> my introduction every time oh my god yeah so astrology everything that's happening in the sky um so coming up we're approaching the end of gemini season which i am kind of relieved about i always feel like when gemini season first hits i'm like super pumped i'm ready to like learn a bunch of new things and then by the end of it i'm just like really exhausted and i just feel like the world has erupted into so much chaos so i think cancer season will bring us a lot more grounding into our emotions our sources of comfort our home our sense of security relationships that make us feel secure people that make us feel secure just kind of like those really important bonds that like mean the most to us and ground us above everything else so we have of course mercury just went went retrograding cancer on june 17th um so these next few weeks are really good they're really good for making home renovations doing projects at home reflecting on artistic project artistic choice that sort of thing. However, you may also be feeling particularly emotional um, or turbulent or sensitive at this time because cancer is a very nostalgic sign. It's very emotional. Um, the like stereotypical trope with cancers is that they cry all the time. So there may be some of that happening, but we'll see. But yeah, it's, uh, June 20th, we have a solar eclipse and also the summer solstice in cancer which is super crazy so that'll be the longest day of the year and also the change to uh cancer season and then 
it's also a new moon. So if you follow the cycles of the moon, you might already know a little bit about this. So new moons represent the start of a new cycle of the moon and new beginnings. So people focus on new initiatives, new projects. Um, It's a really good time to set new intentions, um, set new goals. You can also reflect on things that you've already achieved. I feel like personally new moons and full moons are just sort of like the bookends of points for you to like pause, reflect, think, and then dive back into your grind and your work and your projects and all that. So it's generally not a good idea to start something new per se on a new moon. You kind of just more want to take this time to have some meditation on your goals and your intentions and really practice like visualization um, and work on what you want to manifest, that sort of thing. Um, But besides that, we have Neptune going retrograde in Pisces on June 22nd, which Neptune kind of controls our perception of truth and reality. So the retrograde can mean that if you have been viewing certain situations of the world with rose-colored glasses, you're perhaps going to have a reality check. It kind of is more of a pessimist, not a pessimistic energy, but just more of like an intensely realistic energy. It doesn't really like fuck around or sugarcoat things. So everything may be sort of... Pisces is a is a sign I think of like extremity. Every everything is like either really good or really terrible. Um, there's very little nuance. So we may be viewing reality in like a very harsh way right now. And then besides that, the Venus retrograde is finally over. Thank God, <laughs> it's Venus is going direct in Gemini. I'm- 25th. I don't know. I don't know about anyone else, but Venus retrograde has like definitely been affecting my relationships. So I'm like super pumped for Venus to be out of retrograde um, because maybe we can all just go back to our happy little blind bubbles of idealism and loving people just for the sake of loving people. And we won't have to think about all of like the dysfunctional points or the faults in communication or anything like that. And I think people will have more ease with being impulsive and taking chances and doing stuff on a whim. It's a good time to kind of safely, of course, because there's still coronavirus, but safely, you know, explore new people, new opportunities, um, take chances, that sort of thing. So yeah, that's what's going on in the sky. Yeah, cancer season. We'll talk more about that next time because I'm excited about it. Yeah, thank you. So now we can move on to our deck review, and we're actually going to be reviewing the Carnival at the End of the World tarot deck, um, which is, I'm sure some of you probably have heard of it or definitely recognize the images. It's definitely a popular um, deck among, I would say, modern tarot readers. And you just recently got it, Charlotte, right? Yes, I did. It's a huge deal because as I've mentioned on the pod before, I have been very stubborn with my deck in that I've only used Rider-Waite-Smith for the past um, (laughs) three years. So this is the second tarot deck that I've ever owned. This is the first tarot deck I've ever like bought myself. So I'm so excited. I have 
just I just got it this week so it's like brand new to me and I already really love it and I'm excited to like spend time with it and grow um and just get to know it so yeah we're gonna be unpacking it today and talking about it I have seen it in person a couple of times but I'm not that familiar with it so I guess from my end I can sort of talk about some of the background and so I know the people who made it are sort of like this art artist collective group that have done similar art in the past, not tarot related, but I know on, I think their sort of like artist statement is something along the lines of like the, the tarot keeps the Rider Waite Smith nomenclature and, and numbering for major arcana, but it's iconography and interpretive values are appropriate to our own uncertain times. And so there's a lot of themes. The group I think is from Sweden, I want to say, or definitely a Scandinavian country. And they do a lot of art, like performance-based art around climate change and environmental issues. And so I think that's a definitely like a very big theme in this deck, both the climate issues and then also sort of the like uncertainty. There's a lot of like very unusual cards in this deck. The major arcana are like brilliant, I would say. They're so beautiful. And they're definitely a lot of like very unusual, very like iconographic Im images and, and characters that represent the major arcana. But I definitely think like a, th a big theme in these cards is like sort of like this unnerving chaos or like chaotic behavior i okay i'm i'm looking at their website right now just because i just wanted to check everything seth was saying and yeah 100 they are they definitely have like very like nordic elements but interestingly enough they both live in upper state new york <laughs> so i guess they just like pull from those sources but they like to they, I, I really love this. On their website, they refer to their art as like conceptual doodling, which I think is so fun. Or like some of their work is conceptual doodling and then others, other other things that they've done are obviously much more detailed and long-term and have different approaches. But I I read that they like, like to focus on fictitious histories, which I think is why I was so drawn to this deck. Like I just like there's such a storybook element to this deck and like growing up I was always such a huge fan of like fairy tales and illustrated fairy tales and I especially loved like very like Nordic um elements in illustrations and stuff like that and like I am like like I some of my like ancestors are like Lithuanian and I, re I recently was like, I was able to go to this art exhibit that was just like of Lithuanian art. And like, it was all very, um, again, like North influenced, like a lot of like landscapes of like snow and just like bears and princesses and warriors. And I just like live for that shit. I think it's so much fun, regardless of like my like heritage to it or whatever. But yeah, I totally pick up on like all of those themes in these in this deck, like it's simultaneously, it has this like mythological element, but then it also has ties to like 
royalty and sort of like a fairy tale world but you absolutely feel like there is this like whole world and universe that's been created um that you're kind of being pulled into and it's just like a whole new universe of characters and like reality and um there's very much like a magical element to this deck which I'm really into but yeah to me that's like one of the most important things about making a tarot deck is like creating a world in which like these characters and these cards like live um and I absolutely feel that with this deck so that's why I was drawn to it but I'd love to hear your take on the illustrations Seth yeah no I definitely agree I think to me it's like there's definitely it's very like midsummer-esque very like sort of chaotic there's definitely a lot of themes around like religion and sort of identity and like a lot of the especially the major arcana they feel like like almost like deities of their own right like it it feels very like like a polytheistic religion almost um i'm reminded of like greek gods or like aztec gods of like sort of like this god of like one thing versus the other and how like um they they all are like very there's a ton of personality with all these cards and then there's also this very performative aspect it a lot of the cards feel like they are from like like an early 20th century like freak show or like carnival which obviously is referenced in the name carnival at the end of the world if you have listened to our our episode on the Raider Waite Smith deck, you'll know that Pamela Coleman Smith, the the illustrator, had a um, a history in stage performance and state in stage design and set design, and so I think that's staying true to sort of the original traditional tarot is that there's definitely like this very performance based or performative aspect or theatrical aspect. I would say I really like how there are some cards that have very clear references to um, the Raider-Waite-Smith drawings. I'm thinking of like the Two of Pentacles, for example, with like the balancing with the sort of infinity sign, except I think it's he's holding film reels. So I really like that part where there are definitely references and it's very clear that the artists like were very well informed and did a lot of research and you know I think the references are really intentional and smart but yeah I think it's it's very like chaotic it's sort of like macabre and haunting but at the same time it's so exciting and I think that's like a very good understanding of tarot yeah absolutely I totally like the idea of like carnival at the end of the world and to be honest I didn't really know that a lot of their work focused on climate change and like environmentalism but like now hearing that that makes so much sense because like yeah there absolutely is an apocalyptic nature to this deck but it's like the most beautiful performance ever like if if the world was ending and like you had to like go to a carnival and this was like the carnival of the apocalypse like that'd be fucking amazing like I I'd be so happy like this it's just so cool there's so many elements I really love how in the traditional Raider Waite Smith deck like all of the illustrations are more or less of human 
figures and in this deck it is totally arranged like there are some anthropomorphic figures there's some human figures there's some that are part human part plant part like something else like there's some objects like the six of cups is just the figure of a woman constructed out of a bunch of mirrors of that woman which I think is so cool it's just really bizarre like the lovers is so interesting it's these two figures on a rock and their their bottom halves are totally nude and then on the top half there's like this wooden submarine is how I would describe it that's like enclosing both of their torsos and their arms and then they have little like submarine helmets on their heads and they're like on a rock and it's just such a weird creepy representation of the lovers and I love it because like normally the lovers is such like a beautiful I kind of feel like almost over glorified card so being that this is my first new deck outside of Raider Waite Smith I just love the way that like this deck is like redefining definitions of tarot for me like I'm definitely getting a lot of new interpretations and takes from this deck which is really fun so yeah so I know you mentioned the lovers as a card that sort of you know stands out to you are there any other cards that you know just briefly like in your first looks over have really caught your eye yeah so one that definitely grabbed my attention is the moon traditionally the moon is a pathway between or it's like a river or a path between some mountains and like the moon is in the sky and there's like a wolf howling and there's a lobster and it's very in the Rider White Smith it always reminds me of like a mysterious journey um like confusion possibility that sort of thing and in this deck it is an illustration of a woman who is entirely like she's in a cocoon and the cocoon is made up of little moons like it's like a bunch of moons are like enclosing her body which is like so literal (laughs) that it's almost funny and then she has a little like like half crescent headpiece on her head that's very reminiscent of the traditional headpiece that's on the high priestess Um, And then there's a little lobster at her feet and there's like a little wolf curled up on the other side of her feet. And so it's just a totally different interpretation of the moon. And like, for one thing, I love that they personified the moon into like a woman um, and that there are these ties to the high priestess because like, I definitely think that the high priestess is very much connected to like lunar energy. Like both of these cards give me really big cancer like divine energy divine feminine energy that sort of thing and then I also love that the animals are kind of more minor characters in the illustration and they're much more sedate like the wolf is sleeping and in the traditional Raider Waite deck the wolf is like howling so this card calls to mind for me a much more focused on the individual like the journey the sense of um concealment or kind of like muddled growth before you reach a final destination like it's there's more focus on like an indeterminate like confusing middle period than there is like a winding journey so it's kind of like less romantic and more static in a way which I really like but yeah and then just to give one more example another cup 
or another another card that I love is um, the Eight of Cups. I really love the way they did the the Minor Arcana in this deck. Like the symbolism with all of the individual suits is so wonderful. But with the Eight of Cups, it's an illustration. So if you don't know, the traditional illustration of the Eight of Cups is these eight cups stacked up, and then there's a man who's turned his back and he's walking away into the mountains away from the eight of cups. And so it kind of, to me has always represented departure, kind of like emotional purging sort of compartmentalization, that sort of thing. And in this case, the eight of cups is illustrated as an anthropomorphic figure. So it's like a big jellyfish, just a giant blue jellyfish in the shape of a man. And there's seven cups at his feet seven little teacups and one teacup in his hand and he's kind of like looking and reaching down almost to his almost to like observe the cups at his feet even though he's no longer carrying them which I totally I'm I'm just like enamored by that because in the traditional illustration it's like the man has chosen to leave the representative like cups which represent emotions like he's chosen to leave those emotions behind and in this illustration the figure is much more contemplative and still there's still like the choice of like he's no longer carrying them but there's almost a sense of like guilt or regret and just kind of more consideration for like what he's leaving behind like to me it more signifies like the struggle of the departure I don't know just in general I feel a lot more nuance in this deck than Raider Waite Smith. I am a very direct person, so I think I love Raider Waite Smith for being very cut and dry and blunt because I like things and people that are blunt, but this card is very like nuanced and there's a lot more kind of like playing on like the illogical or kind of human nature, that sort of thing. But yeah, those are some of my favorites. What do you think? I know you don't have this deck, but do you have any cards that you've been like particularly yeah um i i'm just looking at the cards right now i think the the last judgment is super interesting i think it's really cool as well as the five of wands i just i think it's really interesting how they take like very iconic cards and reimagine them as something totally different oh and the ten of pentacles just because it totally reminds me of the may queen scene from um midsummer Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> which I, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, I'm sure you're going to be confused. But it's just it's the, this deck is very reminiscent of that movie. Oh my god! I hope to God someone someone like bought Ari Aster this tarot deck because it's so it's so Midsummer. Um, which honestly is why also I was attracted to this deck because Midsummer is one of my favorite movies ever. But yeah, it's funny. So for those of you who don't have a visual, the Ten of Pentacles is a illustration. Typically, the Ten of Pentacles is an illustration of an old man with his like son and his grandson. And there's some dogs and there's pentacles around them. And there's like a beautiful house and like a state in the background. So it's very much about legacy and kind of like enjoying the fruits of your labor, that sort of thing. In this card, it's an illustration of a maypole. And there's a man and a woman who are dancing around the maypole, holding the strings or the ribbons. And then at the end of all the ribbons are 10 little 
um, pentacles in this deck. The pentacles are made of, they're, they're like little breads with the pentacle carved in it, which I think is so fun. And they're both wearing masks and they're like dancing around the maypole. And so like, for example, like this card has a totally different meaning to me in this deck because with the masks and the dancing, like, um, I had a, I had a client the other day who like came to me and they asked for a reading and their question was about, um, the fidelity of their romantic interest and whether or not they were being played. (laughs) And I pulled this card And I think that like this card totally points to like genuine affection and genuine commitment and like loyalty and masks and like performance and like what's for show and what is real, which is such an expansion from the original definition of like the Raider Waite Smith Ten of Pentacles. So I'm just discovering the beauty of a new deck. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a really incredible deck. I would definitely recommend everyone at least looking at it. I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think even if you don't have this deck or aren't interested, like I I don't think I will ever buy this deck because I already have too many. Um, but even if even if you aren't interested, I think just like looking at these cards and especially if you have sort of a I think it's always good to challenge your preconceived narratives around a deck or around a card or around like a meaning of a card. And I think like a really easy way to sort of push yourself to have a broader and more like interesting and nuanced and complex understanding of a card is to look at an artist's interpretation of that card. And so like, I think this, this deck to me really stands out as like a very interesting way of like having a very concise clean narrative that fully encompasses the tarot deck while interpreting these cards in like unique and novel ways and so i think it's really it's always really good to like look at these cards even if you're not interested in this deck just to look at this deck and to be like when i'm looking at this deck i'm imagining myself what i would say for this card what I would say for like, you know, the queen of pentacles, for example, versus what I would say now. And it's interesting to see how they have taken something that, like, I think it's just, it's really, it's always really impressive to see someone who has taken something where like the narrative has already been really defined, especially for some of these, some cards, as we've mentioned before, have like very, very narrow definitions that sort of everyone agrees upon. And I think it takes a lot of creativity and talent to like look at a card like the lovers, as you were mentioning, and to come up with an entirely new interpretation when like it's very easy to fall back upon the same old definition. And not that that old definition is wrong or less than. It's just, I think it's always really interesting to like look through a deck and then conversely like reimagine how you would interpret. And by looking at the deck, you're also looking at your own, you know, your own internal deck of tarot, if you will. Yes, your mental deck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'd recommend it. I love this deck. I've had it for about three days and I regret nothing. Totally worth the purchase. So um, I'm really interested by these artists and like, 
I can't wait. That's the other thing is like when you purchase a deck, you're supporting independent artists, which is always, always, always a good thing. So, um, yeah, I recommend this deck. If you have this deck and you want to like share your favorite takes or your favorite cards, we'd love to hear about it. So like tweet us or message us on Instagram or something. Cause this is a really special deck and it deserves our attention. So yeah. You've been listening to Fool's Errand. To hear more from us, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Fool's Errand Pod. And if you'd like to reach out to us, email us at thefoolserrandpodcast at gmail.com. We release new episodes every Monday and Friday, so make sure to subscribe, like, and rate us on whatever platform you tune in on. Thanks so much for listening. You'll hear from us soon.